Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 226 of Dogcast Radio. I'm glad you're here and we'll be talking about gratitude later with Carleen Montez de Oca. The moment that your dog comes up and maybe licks your hand or they make you smile or they make you laugh or they make you play, these are the kind of things that you might be able to write down in a journal. And we'll have the Dogcast Radio News. How often do you wash your dog's toys? Do you pop them in the machine or do it by hand? We'd love to know what toys your dog refuses to be separated from. Do check out our website, dogcastradio.com, to listen to more Dogcast-themed podcasts, read breed profiles, book reviews, and see lots of cute doggy photos. We all want our pets to stay healthy, and if they do have issues, we want to address them as swiftly as possible. If one of us is unwell, one of my first steps is to take our temperature. Should we do that for our pets, too? Mella Pet Care is aiming to help us do just that, and they're supporting vets to take temperature readings in more pet-friendly ways, too. To find out more, I talked to Ben Seidman and Isabella morgan Pascovaca. This was actually a video interview, and you'll hear the thermometer being demonstrated and shown to camera. The relevant video is on our website and social media. First, Ben explains what Mella does. Yeah, absolutely. So Mella is named for our CEO's um, pet. That's the namesake. It's um, is Mella. And we make pet health and wellness remote vital signs monitoring for both veterinarians and for pet parents. Um, our whole ethos is really bringing accessible and affordable devices um, that allow for veterinarians to take temperature um, in a much easier way. So instead of having to take a rectal temperature, being able to take it um, through the axillary, which no one has um, truly studied. Um, and, and, and that's what our, our first product is, is being able to do it in a fear-free way um, to save time for the veterinarian. Um, and then for pet parents, uh, being able to bring temperature into the home for the most part for the first time. Um, so whenever there's a problem in the home, um, whether it's you know, vomiting, lethargy, um, you know, not eating, uh, being able to take temperature, use that through telehealth and, and increasing awareness. Um, our overall mission um, through products that we have in the pipeline as well is to increase pet longevity, quality of life, um, by bringing you know, really simple tools into the home to be able to help pets um, be monitored by their uh, parents in a better way. Yeah, yeah, that, that is wonderful. That's great because, I mean, I, I know nothing about um, the uh, the physiology, if you like, of, well, very little about the physiology of, of my, my animals, to be fair. And so it's, that's, it's like, you know, when the car goes wrong, I can look and see there's an engine. I can't tell much more. And with the, the dogs and, and cats, you know, it's, for me, it's straight to the vet. So if I can have some tools that will help me know more about their condition, that's a really great thing. And to 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 have our dogs and cats and all our pets with us longer, that's what we all want, isn't it? Absolutely. That's certainly what we're after. It's, you know, it's being able to strengthen that bond between uh, pet parents and their pets. Um, you know, owning a pet, having a pet uh, really as a child is something that is so new and is still gradually changing. So, um, we're here to really bring that into the 21st century and, and provide, provide those tools to help strengthen that bond and also to inform um, the pet parent as to um, you know, what that temperature is, also what the uh, body fat analyzation um, can be through our, our body fat mat um, that can help pets live uh, up to two years longer by having a healthy BMI. Wow. Um, so all these different things that help you know, for the vet side of things, but also 
uh, for the parents. Yeah, excellent. So, so Daniela, maybe you can tell me, what's the benefit to a pet owner of, of having one of these thermometers? Yeah, of course. So what we've kind of seen is that pet parents don't really know the necessity of knowing their pet's temperature. Yeah. You, know, you go to the human doctor, they take your temperature there. Um, nowadays, you go to a storefront, they also take your temperature. Um, <laughs> yes. People seem to kind of this, uh, not realize the necessity of this for their pets. Um, but it's actually very, very important. And it can tell you so many things. And just to name a few, and the list is really endless, but things like establishing just a baseline temperature, um, knowing then to be able to detect a fever, um, monitoring your pet after they've gone through an operation, detecting overheating or hypothermia, um, also for safe breeding in a controlled environment, um, monitor seizures, and just even monitoring your pet after a routine vaccine. So the list really goes on and on. Um, And really what it comes down to is that if you're in your house and your pet is showing very strange symptoms, you don't really know whether to take your pet to the vet or to just kind of wait it out a couple of days. And so using Mela, um, this thermometer will give you a reading. And then from that, it'll also give you suggestions on what to do next. And so um, what's beautiful too is that like a lot of people will think okay why can't I just use a human thermometer and sure like you can go to a drugstore you can buy the human thermometer but that's just it's not very accurate and it's really not suitable for pets and so what's great about Mela is that not only is it designed for your pet it will help you figure out when the right time when is the right time to go to the vet when is the right time to just kind of wait it out? And so it's really wonderful to have in the home for all pet owners, for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in, in normal circumstances, it, it must be great for the vet to be able to have that information. And, and you know, if you when you do that initial call and you say and you tell them about the dog to have that information, what's the dog's temperature? Great. But I mean, certainly in, in lockdown, you know, we've had, had conditions where you were doing video consults and to to be able to give the vet the information of, of the the dog's temperature is amazing that's such a great help and so maybe ben can we have a look at the thermometer so people can have an idea of um what it actually looks like yeah no absolutely so this here is the mela pro it's uh, made by the same team as the sonicare toothbrush team so it's really sleek mm-hmm. um in its look and you can see right here is the ability to to take temperature I can um, demo it here for you as yeah. well and just take it through the ear. You do have, as the veterinarian, the ability to take it through the ear, um, through axillary and also uh, rectal. But for this, you can see backwards here is yeah. in Celsius, um, you know, 36.1. So that's good if I don't have coronavirus. And um, <laughs> um, we, and, But for the home version, it's only axillary. So we found that that is really the most comfortable way to take it because, um, you know, both cats and dogs are more used to uh, being handled from under the foreleg. Uh, so it can be taken through the femoral or the um, axillary artery. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're talking under the, under the arm, if you like, under the leg. Under the arm. And there's also Bluetooth um, in it as well. So it's sending um, that data um, to the patient management system. So that's really important for um, the veterinarian and also um, to the phone so you can have that historical 
um, temperature because different uh, breeds will have different uh, baseline temperatures. And that's really important, especially if you're hopping on, you know, telehealth consult to have that historical uh, baseline temperature and then be able to understand what's high and what's low. Um, we've seen through talking with a lot of the different telehealth uh, partners out there that they're already asking, you know, can you take temperature at home? And less than you know, 10% are able to do that. Uh, so it's really filling a big need and, and helping to supply the televets with crucial information that can help them um, during consulting, during teletriage, and this whole revolution of telehealth um, that's growing where we're seeing that it's 60, sometimes 70% of a lot of these questions um, can be handled from, um, can be handled through telehealth remotely instead of being brought in. Um, and I think you know, more and more of that convenience factor um, in the age of COVID um, is, is changing our behaviors so to want to be able to do things more from home, be more self-sufficient. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. It's, it's an amazing breakdown. I really like the idea of that. Now, it's not actually in use yet. You're, you're still um, refining it, aren't you? Yes. So we are refining it um, and it's going through clinical trials at the moment. Um, we are planning to launch in December with veterinarians and then um, early next year with consumers. Uh, so that's really exciting for us. It's important to get it in the hands of veterinarians first to get it in the experts' hands um, for them to use it. And then for the public to see, oh, you know, the experts are using this, my doctor is using this, and then um, bring it home. And Danielle explained, you know, really perfectly a lot of those use cases as well. And the educational component, because, you know, there's veterinarians who get it, you know, they, they face this pain every day. Um, and they would love a better way to do it. They come up to us and say they've been waiting for a product like this for decades. And then there are parents that are still starting to understand, you know, what does temperature mean? Um, paired with um, X, Y, Z symptoms, um, what does a high temperature or low temperature mean? And it's only when it's paired in with other different types of um, data sets, be it activity, you know, smart feeding, um, historical information on the pet, um, that veterinarians can really come to um you know, address these uh, with the pet, with the parents, and really, our tool is made as an engagement tool to help um, bridge that communication and um, and and increase that pet education and awareness for pet parents. Um, because our pets can't tell us they're not feeling well. Um, oftentimes, they're hiding um, that from us from the beginning. <laughs> yes, bless. I know. And you know, to be more aware. I mean, I'm learning all the time. I I learned sadly my when my Labrador was. Um, slowing down to me just slowing down with age and didn't like jumping in and out of the car um and I didn't realize the little signs that were for example with him arthritis you know so I'm really passionate about we need to know things ahead of time and to spot those signs and and to to get to know your your pet's um temperature that's brilliant and to have the bluetooth so presumably you can keep that information and and on your phone and just know establish this baseline um temperature so daniela tell me about it more about that please because you know why what is a baseline temperature and why do we need to establish what our what our pet's um temperature is yeah so what's really fascinating and i think ben kind of touched on this before is that every animal has a different baseline um, because there are so many factors that go into temperature such as breed hair length weight age just environmental factors as well. And so you can't really take a temperature for the first time on a Yorkie, say, and just know based on that one temperature reading, um, whether that's really normal or not, um, because every animal has a different baseline. And so if you collect data and you keep collecting it, you start to notice a trend and you kind of see where they hit 
and what their normal is and where they tend to measure every day, say. And so when there's a drastic change, either, you know, their temperature spikes or it drops um, based off of that, you know, whether they have a fever or they're overheating or they have hypothermia. Um, and it's just really lovely kind of to see this trend. Whereas if you were just to take very sporadic temperature readings, you know, once every two years, uh, you're not going to be able to see that trend at all. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I really feel that pain as well, because I, I have a, a low uh, temperature it's just a little bit lower and a doctor never believes me that you know I've, yeah, I have got a temperature I'm not well um, because it, it, it goes up to normal and you're like but please believe me so to have that information you know for, for your dog for your animal is wonderful to, to be able to say no look this is what they are normally um, so should we if when we if we if we get a thermometer like this do we need to take our pet's um, temperature at different times of day and really establish you know what what's what what are you advising that's a great question. And yeah, you know, this is really an area where there isn't a school of thought, right? Hmm. Because there hasn't been um, the, the ability to take temperature at home multiple times per day um, to get that baseline. So that's what's really exciting for us. So we are you know, building in features into our app um, that enable the pet parent to take it at different times of the day and then track it to see what that data means. Um, obviously, we, we want people to take it on a recurring basis. Um, but we're also looking at partnerships with um, insurance and wellness um, providers um, that want to have this longitudinal data um, to show you know, what this could mean um, over over a longitudinal data span. Um, we think you know, the more data points, the better. Um, for us, we see it as a necessity, something to have in your home. Um, if your you know pet is is vomiting, you know, is that food poisoning? Can you know being able to take that um, you know through uh, identify that through a thermometer as you otherwise wouldn't be able to, but certainly something that at, at the beginning, um, taking often to get that baseline and then figuring out, you know, what's right for your pet. And so you have a better understanding of um, when your pet has a higher temperature or lower temperature based on time of day and things of that nature. Um, so that is something that is currently being explored um, and it really is, hasn't been studied because there hasn't been the ability to take it um, easily um, before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing so i guess if you if you if you get yourself a, a melathermometer you can be involved in some fairly cutting edge um you know research here because you know if you if you put, does that feed that feeds back to you then if, if i so if i get one and i take my dog's um, temperature does that information then feed back to you so you can collate that all together and make a big database of you know the different breeds is, is that a name yeah, so we are looking to, you know, help uh, with, you know, the pet uh, health overall and using this data um, to be able to to make more predictive measurements. But ultimately, it's about the, you know, the user themselves and being able to share that with with their veterinarian um, and having that in real time. Um, so we are looking at ways that that can be helpful, but really just, you know, skimming the surface, um, initial conversations with, you know, large pet hospitals and, and pharmaceuticals and, and insurance about how that can be helpful. Um, but more so also for our second product, the uh, Biggie Body Fat Analyzer, which detects hmm. uh, BMI, um, which is a mat that goes next to the dog bowl. Uh, we're going to have a prototype for this in a couple months. And um, some veterinarians, pet parents, it being you know, Pet Obesity Awareness Day just yesterday, um, it's been uh, really top of mind for a lot of people is that, you know, they say 60% of pets 
um, in the U.S. This may not be the case in, in, in the U.K., but are are overweight. Um, there's a lot. Yes, there's a lot over here. <laughs> and being able to track that um, on a long-term time span um, and correlate the different nutritional plans, um, using that data to be able to help understand in a breed-specific way uh, which diets, which nutritional plans are best for, for the pet. Um, so that we're really excited about because it can put off osteoarthritis, diabetes, a lot of chronic illnesses. Um, and then you take that information and then you pair it with, with, um, with temperature, um, as well as, um, other devices and and syncing all that data up together and be able to see, oh, the temperature is low, um, and the pet isn't eating and the BMI is going down. Um, how can that send me a warning sign that, um, I can take action then instead of waiting, you know, weeks, months, potentially years. Um, down the road um, to take corrective action that can a be more costly and then be you know obviously be more detrimental to the health yeah yeah that That, again that that is such a brilliant development because the weight and and pets is such a a a confused issue for owners because I mean I remember when I we first had our Labrador and he was he he was never fat I would say he was never, fat. but certainly when he was younger, you know, I, he was heavier than in his later years when I gathered how important it was. And I would have this conversation with the vet and he, she would say to begin with, oh, he's a little bit overweight. And I'd be saying, no, 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 he tucks, look, he tucks. And you can see, you can see a waist. I'm sure you can see a waist. And yet she'd be looking at him saying, well, I'm not enough of a waist, you know, and we've had this discussion a lot. And then once you become aware of it now, there's so many Labradors I meet that I sort of go, oh my goodness, they're a barrel on legs. I'm picking on Labradors. Um, but it is, it is a hugely important area I, I've failed with myself as you can see but I, I do keep my dogs um slim and it is an important area and to be have that there and have that daily reminder and see have it you know it's straight in your, your face that what your dog's BMI is my goodness that's that's such a, a help isn't it and the alternative is you know I'm going to take my pet to the vet to get on the on the, on the scale but you know, you know you that's not realistic for a lot of people and you need that you know that uh, correction kind of every day yeah. and then you know getting onto the I don't like to get onto the scale every day but so if I'm going to take my pet onto the scale I need to want to do that as well um, so neither of those you know options currently are, are really available and then um, also getting your pet onto a scale and then having them stay still is can be tricky so having it as a passive um, tool that they do every single day that's really what we want to aim for and um, you really help eliminate this crisis and um, we're big believers in the one health, um, you know, phenomenon that, you know, the health of our animals, our environment and humans all come together. Um, so that's, that's really, that's really what we're after and, um, helping to, um, really see some of the changes, um, once we can put the measurement tools in, in place to help people understand, especially vets have a tough time talking about this with, with their clients because they don't want to, you know, upset their clients. Yes, <laughs> so, you get you get um, defensive straight away. My dog's not fat. How dare you? He's <laughs> <laughs> cute, and that's the thing. It is cute. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Pete Buttigieg. You know, the candidate. His his pet was overweight, um, and and um, you know, there was sparked a lot of conversation around you know, it, you know, cuteness in pets being fat, and it it is cute, but also it's you know detrimental and can be painful for the pet themselves. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Um, it is a conversation and I think we're, we're starting to think of our pets more so as, um, you know, as, as more than just cute as, you know, having a quality of life. That's yes. really important. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, you know, we're used to seeing certain breeds carrying a bit more weight. I'll pick on a different breed, pugs, for example. Now, I've I interviewed a lady this week who's got pugs who who round up cattle. I, I've got a friend who's got a pug that does agility and they're like no other pugs I've ever seen. You know, they do tuck up underneath and they do have a waist and they look, you know, so much better for it. And I think we need to get used to that. That, As you say, yes, a nice round faced pug. Oh, lovely, cute. But how healthy, you know, what's the effects on their long term health? It is really important. I mean, and saying that our vets, I would imagine vets are being really, really welcoming of the of these developments. Is that is that true? I would say definitely, um, especially since pet obesity as of right now is so, so relative. Um, I know at the vet clinic that I worked at, you know, they, there's an x-ray machine, there's um, a pulse oximeter, things that are very scientific. They give you quantitative numbers. And then you have a pet obesity chart that's just hanging up on the wall and it has three animals on it and they go underweight, normal, overweight. And it's just a little drawing and, you know, the overweight dog is just a little pudgier and the underweight dog's just a little skinnier and the vet kind of looks at it and then will feel your pet. And based off of this very simple, simple drawing, kind of make this judgment. And oftentimes it's something as easy as, well, yeah, I can feel the ribs. Uh, It's kind of good enough. And there's just this massive, like, good enough terminology that goes around um, when it comes to pet obesity. And so finally, being able to have this um, body mass analyzer will finally give them numbers to work with so that it's no longer just figuring out, like, the ballpark that they're in. Yeah. And it's irrefutable from the from the owner's point of view. You can't argue then. It's, it's, It's there in front of you in black and white, and you've got to do something about it. Exactly. Yeah. And vets want that tool that's objective, right? That they don't have to explain. Right now, they're telling them, hey, the the hugging method, right? Of being able yeah. to put your arms around your pet, um, which, you know, I don't know how many people can really do that, you know, effectively and without bias. Uh, but, you know, putting your arms around your pet and feeling for their ribs and things like that, there's just so much that's wrong with that. <laughs> there's body condition score and, and those, you know, that is really helpful to see um, where your pet is, you know, looking at them, but um, having something that you can track over time as well um, and see how both nutrition, but also how activity, um, you know, if you have an activity tracker, how that's going to uh, play into it as well. Um, really excited to collect those data points as to how different breeds respond to different diets. And that's yeah. why we're partnering with a lot of the big pet food companies, both in Europe as well as the US um, to, to prove out a lot of those claims that pet food companies make. Um, so they can say, you know, this diet, you know, for this breed reduces BMI by X percent, which leads to, you know, living a year or two um, longer, putting off all these different types of medical expenses um, and making everyone happier. So I think right now that's the, it's the education piece. It's the, it's the awareness. um, And it's thinking of our pets as, as more than pets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're a member of the family, aren't they? They should be. Another thing that strikes me that this is going to help, you know, when you, your pet has a symptom and, or I mean, not you, but one, when one's, one's pet has a symptom and it's onto social media and what do you think, guys? Should I go to the vet or should I not? Now you're, you know, and it's like, yes, get there quickly. Um, your your um, equipment here is going to help stop that having you know, happening because people are going to go, yeah, actually, I do need to get to the vet or, or no, I don't. They're, it's going to ha- help the information they've got, isn't it? Exactly. 
that's really what we want to do is, is provide people with the tools to be able to make that decision um, with the pathways and with the channels to be able to say, especially for the first time puppy owner who you know, doesn't really understand um, you know, behavioral um, health related um, types of situations. Let me take the temperature. Let me, you know, let me call in, let me um, do telehealth through our app um, and be able to you know, triage this um, you know, remote from afar. And if I do need to go in, um, that's really important too. But then, you know, kind of sitting there as a duck, kind of waiting for things to, un- things to unfold also isn't a great um, option either. So putting um, tools in their hands and, and not just toys, um, that's our motto. Yes, <laughs> excellent. And you appreciate this from the pet parent point of view as well, Ben, don't you? Tell me about your dog. Yeah, so my dog, Biggie, um, you know, he um, is, is a really healthy dog. Um, you know, I, I you know, he, you know, actually, I'm going to be completely honest. He threw up this morning for the first time in however long. Yeah. And he seems he seems fine. I don't know what it was. We fed him breakfast, and and he he threw up, and and now he seems okay. Um, I went over to take his temperature with the mouth thermometer, <laughs> and you know everything seems okay. Obviously, you know this is something that happens. Humans yeah. throw up as well, and you know he may have have a bug, and obviously monitor it. If I were to call the veterinarian, I, you know this has happened um, not recently, but you know when he was you know, a puppy, and um, you know. They say to monitor it if there's no, you know, blood in the, in the, you know, and they say, you know, just keep an eye on it. Um, so that's the, that's the day for me so far. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for, for me, it's, um, it's really exciting having the body fat name, body fat analyzer named after Biggie. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, love, love having him here in Chicago. It's a great uh, dog friendly city, uh, being able to take him out to the park and he's always the, um, he always starts the party at the dog park. Um, and, you know, you know, being able to, to have something that's, it's, it's almost like his, his legacy is pretty cool. Um, And then, you know, um, to be able to get it out there um, and and see the impact on other people, um, you know, that, that, that can really use it and and have it as as part of their home to make them feel more safe. um, And also to increase their awareness and education is, is, is really awesome. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I I do sympathise though because I mean, there's no better um, alarm clock, is there, than your dog retching at the end of the bed? And you're like, right, I'm out of bed and running before you even <laughs> think what's going on. So so, ah, uh, hugs to to Biggie. I hope he's feeling a lot better very soon. Yeah. Um, is there is there anything that you, anything else that you'd like to say, either of you, about Mella that we haven't had a chance to yet? I'd say you know, if you want to learn more, definitely go check out our website. It's www.mella.ai. Um, right now we're taking uh, pre-order, um, interest. You can sign up and get a discount in advance. If you're a veterinarian, we offer a free trial of 30 days, uh, so that you can test it out. Um, and then as you know, pay for what you keep. So if you keep it, um, then, then, um, then that's, that's what we're betting on. And for, uh, for pet parents, you can also sign up for early access, uh, too, for, for next year. Uh, once the home version is ready, so also sign up. Um, you'll stay. You'll stay in the loop um, with us, and we'll let you know as soon as we as soon as we go live um, with the mellow thermometer at home. You know we're we're really open and, and reachable. Um, you know you can reach us at hi at mellow.ai with any questions. We really appreciate this opportunity, Julie. It's um, it's uh, you know it, this is this is awesome, and just being able to talk about it and reach more people. 
Um, that's what we're all about. And you know, we love your style of podcasting. This has been oh, this has been a you. ton of fun. It was fun. And helping people live in greater harmony with their pets for as long as possible is a real passion for me. So the Mella approach is right up my street. Thanks to Ben and Isabella for telling me all about it. We have the link to Mella.ai on the Dogcast Radio site. And I think both the thermometer and the pet BMI monitor are going to be great aids to keeping our pets happy and healthy. If you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. Harry S. Truman You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio news. We start with the story from America, which has had TikTok users captivated, in which Tucker the Golden Retriever is not happy because his favourite cuddly toy is going into the washing machine to get washed. This is on the Rory and Tucker account, and poor Tucker does look very unhappy as he watches his beloved toy, which he has had all his life, go into the washer and dryer. Which raises the question, how often do you wash your dog's toys? And do you pop them in the machine or do it by hand? And we'd love to know what toys your dog refuses to be separated from. Mischief has always had a pheasant toy, which her breeder gave her as a leaving present. And it looks as good today as it did the day she had it, so we must be doing something right with its maintenance. Now it's story time. Theo, the golden retriever, had a home and a family. He was loved and happy. He had everything a dog needs. Until years later. With the children grown up and moved out, and his human parents divorced, when terminal illness hit him, poor Theo found himself dumped in a pound, where his owner claimed to have found him in a parking lot. Jenny and Scott Leach from Crystal Lake, Illinois, who already had seven rescue dogs, adopted Theo. When, sadly, it emerged after a vet's exam that poor Theo was actually terminally ill, with only weeks to live, the leeches drew up a bucket list for him and set about giving him the best time of his life. And that was when Theo became a local celebrity and was seen on TV by the boy, now grown up, who used to live with him and who had been unaware of his predicament. A loving reunion was arranged and Jenny and Scott continued with Theo's bucket list. And the great news is that despite the prognosis of a short time to live, more than five months on, Theo is still living it up and being loved. Fantastic. We wish Theo all the best. In Suffolk, UK, owners are being warned that dog theft is skyrocketing, with five times as many dogs being stolen in 2020 as in 2018. According to the British Association for Shooting and Conservation, gun dogs make up a significant proportion of those dogs. On one occasion, 17 dogs and puppies were stolen from a kennels in Bury St Edmunds. Apparently, spaniels and labradors are in great demand and especially highly valued if they're a working dog. And while it's devastating to have any dog stolen, losing a dog with whom you work also has financial consequences. Pet theft has become even more of an issue during the pandemic, with lockdowns highlighting the benefits of canine companionship. And Parliament has debated the best way to address the crime, which sadly is currently treated as no different to the theft of an inanimate object. That's outrageous. Unfortunately, dog theft is not the only increased risk for dogs during the pandemic, because horrifyingly, 30 to 40 million Americans are thought to be at risk of eviction due to the economic downturn wrought by the pandemic. The sad truth is that for those evicted, arranging alternative housing may mean giving up their beloved dog. Some shelters offer temporary fostering to pets of those in short-term need. 
but in the long term there is a huge need for pet-friendly affordable housing. This is an issue which will require cooperation between elected officials, housing providers and firms who provide homeowners and renters insurance. It's clear that with a housing crisis coming up, action is needed to ensure dogs don't end up in rescue and owners don't lose their four-legged friends just when they desperately need their help. When Michelle Keegan noticed an empty flapjack wrapper on the floor, she was horrified to realise her dog had eaten it. It wasn't just that the former Coronation Street star didn't want to share. She was dismayed because the flapjack contained raisins. Raisins are incredibly toxic to dogs, and if your dog ingests them, it's important to seek veterinary help as soon as possible. And that's just what Michelle did, where her dachshund, Phoebe, received an injection to make her vomit. Michelle joked on Instagram it was the most expensive flapjack she'd ever bought, but at least Phoebe was unharmed. And to China now, where Dudu the dog and his family went on a road trip from Hangzhou to visit relatives in the country. When they drove home, they paused at Tonglu service station before continuing home. But when they got home, disaster! Dudu was missing. The next day, the family retraced their footsteps, but to no avail. There was no sign of Dudu, so they returned home. As the days passed, they gave up hope of seeing their dog again. Then, weeks later, the family spotted a dirty, gaunt, stray dog at their door, and looking closer at him, they realised it was Dudu, who had made his own way home to them. This is truly wonderful when you consider the fate that can befall a dog in China, so thank goodness Dudu made it back home safely. Absolutely. We hope you make it back here for the next episode of the news, but that's all we have time for in this episode. See you next time. Bye. The world would be a nicer place if everyone had the ability to love as unconditionally as a dog. M. K. Clinton. Carleen Montez de Oca has had an incredible career. For 20 years, she was a film editor in Hollywood, working on movies like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Three Men and a Little Lady. In recent years, Carleen has focused on her work as an animal-human health expert and award-winning author. Through it all, her dogs and other animal companions have been a huge part of her life. So much so that she's written a dog-inspired gratitude journal called Pause for the Good Stuff, a dog lover's journal for creating a happier and more positive life. We have so many reasons to be thankful for our dogs, for all our pets. But what is a gratitude practice? I guess I'd like to say that it is a practice or a tool or a way that humans can actually either by talking it out loud or by journaling into a book, by writing down your thoughts about just the the small things or the big things that you are grateful for in your life. Because so many times they just pass right by us. We don't stop and recognize them. But the moment that we start to become mindful of those little moments, like the moment that your dog comes up and maybe licks your hand yeah. and that make or they make you smile or they make you laugh or they make you play, these are the kind of things that you might be able to write down in a journal. It could be a blank journal, but you start writing them down. And what happens is that our brain we may have our brain, sort of the, the um, what we call the synapses in our brain, programmed a particular way. So maybe if you happen to be kind of more of a negative person, that's kind of what you've programmed or you have fed every single day for I don't know how long. But yeah. if you start creating more gratitude to start responding to the things that you are writing down, the things that you are feeling positive and grateful and appreciative for, 
whether there's to your animals, to other humans, to situations that you've had, to your experiences, something starts to change in your mindset. You create new kind of pathways in your brain that now suddenly you're starting to smile more than you're frowning. You're starting to engage with people more than just maybe criticizing them. So that is the power of a gratitude practice. That is what it is. Gratitude, writing it down, talking about it. Yes. Yeah, it sounds good because we do have a negativity bias, don't we? Just as human beings, apparently there's um, an evolutionary uh, benefit to noting a bad thing, you know, oh, that animal eats you or that plant kills you or, you know, back in the early days. Um, So that negativity bias is why if you look up reviews of your podcast, for example, and, you know, and there's nine nice comments and one nasty, you focus Mm -hmm. and you can't sleep at night because of that one nasty comment, you know. So we do have that negativity bias. So we need to make a positive effort to be positive, and, don't we? And yes, what you're describing, it's interesting, it's fight or flight. So in the old days, oh, there's a tiger behind us. So we have to be super vigilant and pay attention. But usually we don't have tigers behind us anymore. They're not chasing us. Many of the things that we're afraid of are these creations in our mind. You know, may, we may see someone and then we'll judge them ahead of time before we know them or be afraid just because maybe something you read about happened to somebody else. So this unfortunately does keep us in a more of a myopic mindset or more of staying within your comfort zone, which really our brain is doing to try to help us. We don't want you to veer out of that comfort zone because something could happen. I mean, the chances are that it could happen or so slim, but the only way that we do grow is to go out of that comfort zone to just get, and you know, honestly, if you have never journaled gratitude, that's a great way a safe way to go out of your comfort zone that can reap great rewards. Yes. Yeah. And I bet as well, as well as thinking about it at the time you're writing it, sort of looking back on it and reading back and thinking about all those happy times, that must be very reinforcing as well. Yes. And actually you've kind of cut to the chase of one of the benefits that when I created a gratitude journal for dog lovers, Mm. that was one of the benefits that I saw that I never envisioned when I began Because if every day you're writing down for five minutes, something that you're grateful to your, to your dog for something that they've done every day, you're writing it down every single day. Not only are you starting to see your own mindset, mindset shifting, but one day you will be finished with that journal and you will have that as a keepsake. It's this one of a kind, unique presentation of all the beautiful things that your dog has inspired in your life and given you in your life. And even one day when your dog isn't here, you can always look back on that and remember, which is something a lot of us don't do. You know, we don't sit down and write that, but yeah, yeah, that is one of the benefits. Yeah. And that's, uh, we're going a little bit off track now, but that's, that's such an important thing because my, my daughter, Jenny and I were talking about this. And when you lose an animal, the death becomes so big, Mm. you can't see back to the animal's life past that big death and then gradually over time that death becomes smaller mentally and you can see those happier times and that's quite an important process isn't it so to have that that journal that you can look in and remind yourself of all that may help help the process exactly and there's a couple of things there one of the things is if you're becoming mindful just in itself mindfulness and awareness is so important rather than just traveling through life on default and just letting things happen to you. Now you're just very consciously aware 
of, let's say, the positive and the gratitude that you have in your life and you're jotting this down. And, and that is very helpful, especially because one day, I mean, our, our dogs don't live as long as us. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. the point. Uh, and I do remember when I was writing my first book that one of my dogs was very sick. She was terminally ill. Mm. And the veterinarians, they let me actually sleep with her in, you know, at the veterinary hospital. Yeah. So I did that for about two or three nights. And one night I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, my, you know, the pain was tremendous as anybody who is losing or about or has lost an animal knows. And I thought to myself in that moment, gosh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, a, I'm of a certain age and I will probably lose a lot of more animals in my life, a lot more people that I care about. How does one go through life with this realization or, or you know, how do you do it and survive? Mm-hmm. Because the pain feels so great. And I remember in that moment, anytime I kind of have ever posed a question with an animal around me, I usually get some kind of answer. And Mm. I remember that my dog, Roxy, just really sighed really loudly in that moment. And it came to me to always seek meaning in my relationship with my animals, not to just let them be pets or, you know, just like that, I ignore them, but to really focus on the profound um, gifts and the meaning that I could take from their life as they were alive. So if I'm jotting down about all the things I am grateful to my animals for while they're alive, you know, then this is a way that I can take a meaning when they're no longer here. Mm -hmm. And a second thing I say is so many people say, well, I can't, it, the pain was just too unbearable. I can't have another, I can't lose another dog. And there's so many dogs out there who need to be adopted. There's so Mm -hmm. many. So I always say to them, well, you know, are you going to close everyone off, including people and humans? Because love, the other side of love is loss. But I err on the side of love because there is so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I say this a lot to people, especially when they've lost their animal, that you you love them so much and losing Mm -hmm. them is brutal it's really mm-hmm. it bashes you and it, and you you know and it's twisted and it's horrible it seems to really vindictive grief at some time that it's, it sort of twists the knife and makes you feel so guilty and awful so you know to have some resilience at that point is really useful isn't it and if that can help you that's that's no, a great and also, motivation yes and also that mindset shift that maybe that breaking open of your heart is a good thing you know, so many of us as humans, just we we get just emotionally clogged. I guess that's the way I would describe it. Or we're afraid. We're afraid to experience loss. We're afraid to ex- because it feels painful. But I think that part of what makes it so painful is that we resist it. Mm-hmm. We just go, no, no, go away. That's sad. That feels awful. I don't want to feel it. But sometimes just surrendering to the feeling like, you know what? I feel horrible. I feel so sad right now. I'm going to cry and I may never stop again. Honestly, if you surrender to that, it's so much easier because you don't cry forever and it allows the pain to move through you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's how our animals live, isn't it? Because yes. you, you never have to say to the dog, are you pleased that I've come home? You know, they're there going, oh, wow, your heart. You, do you know what I mean? You, you never sort of have to ask those questions. They wear their hearts on their sleeve. They're pleased or they're worried or they're, they're angry. Whatever it is, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? Yes. And they do one very important thing that you've just pointed out. They live in the moment. They live in the right now. 
versus, gosh, I'm so worried about, you know, the thing that happened to me yesterday, or geez, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. They live right now. And that's part of the beauty. Because if we open up to that awareness, if we just check in for a few moments to be in that space, that is really the only place that exists the right now. And it's so beneficial for us as human beings to be in that space as much as possible. And this is why I am always inspired by rescue animals who come into, who have the ones I've uh, brought into my life. They seem to let go of the past. They, it takes them a while, maybe, you know, they've been through trauma, but eventually they can completely blossom. And I always think to myself, if they can do it, then I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're an absolute inspiration animals are they wonderful. Mm. And, um, you you've sort of these these books the, the journal and your your other books you've written uh, dog is my doctor cat is my nurse um and when you gave a ted talk i'm looking at the ted talk now you are amazing <laughs> we'll put <laughs> we'll put all this information in the show notes but you are but it's it's come from talking to people about their experiences their animals as well as your own animals hasn't it yes yes I think to myself that I always wanted to write ever since I was a child, but I never, one, I was thinking to myself, well, I don't know what to write about. And I was always a little afraid, you know, people would laugh at me or they wouldn't like what I wrote, or I had all these fears. And yet all along, it never occurred to me that it was my animals who were inspiring me the entire way to write a book. You know, when I wrote dog is my doctor, cat is my nurse, I had four rescue dogs and two cats who are all all rescues. And at the same time, I was an acupuncturist in a private practice Hmm. where I would in this was in California. And I was always looking for ways to help my clients really achieve the health and wellness that they were seeking. But there was always reasons why and I asked them for what are your challenges? What are your challenges? And, um, you know, they would tell me, well, I have this, that and the other, but I always used to see And whenever they would share a story about a dog or a cat or a pot-bellied pig, whatever it was, who was their animal companion, suddenly maybe they had been tense before and now the stress started to leave because they started to smile or the opposite. They might be so stressed they started to cry, which is also a good response because we need to let go of these emotions that we hold on to so tightly. And I started to notice, wow, it's not just me who's having this experience that I notice that my animals are really modeling well-being in a way that I was not aware of before, but I started noticing it in their physiological reactions, really. I mean, because as soon as they start smiling, I know positive hormones are going through their body, their blood pressure is going down, you know, they are just feeling happy and joyful. So this is what I started to see. And these are the things that finally, finally inspired me. That and that six pack of animals that nobody wanted, it all inspired me to start writing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking about one one time when I I was talking to a a local uh, presenter of a a local radio program. um, And he asked me about my dog and I started to speak and he went, look how your face lit up when you spoke. And I was like, oh. I didn't know I did that. And then I felt a bit guilty because it had, hadn't happened, obviously, when I spoke about my my human family. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, I, I adore my human family, but it's a different relationship, isn't it? Because, you know, your husband, your daughter, your, your son, whatever, is not at the door sort of saying, oh, wow, you're home. Great, great. You know, I, they may feel that. They don't <laughs> demonstrate it too much. And the other thing I was thinking about was 
that happiness, that sort of, I'm so happy you're home because you're the center of my world. In a, that's such a happy thing from a dog. If it was from a human, you, it would be a bit sad and you'd be a bit, oh, no, you've sat there without me. And <laughs> but the dog is just so happy. You know, I'm so happy. I'm, I've been happy most of the time. You know, most of the day I've been chewing and I've been asleep or whatever. But now it's a party because you're home. And it's it's still a happy thing, isn't it, with a dog? I had never thought about it like that. I, I always <laughs> thought that, well, I, yes, what you're mentioning is unconditional love, you know, yeah. which is something I've really never, maybe parents do it with their children, but at least in my upbringing, it was always, I love you, but I'd like you to be sort of like this. (laughs) (laughs) There was always a condition at some point. And so I think with my dogs or, or the animals that I've had, they never do that. They're unconditionally, they, they offer you that regardless, you know, I think all you need to do is give them kindness and give them what they need. And yes, it's reciprocal, that love, but it's so pure and it's just this innocent, amazing thing. So yes, I can understand (laughs) why your face would shift like that. It it reminds me of a presentation I did once and Hmm. I was, and actually a woman started to speak to me about a loss that she had a human loss Hmm. and she, you could tell she was very depressed. She never smiled once until the moment she spoke about her dog. And suddenly, first smile, the only smile of the entire time. And you can just see, I mean, it just vibrated out of her, just this happiness. And then she went back. So they, I mean, it is a medicinal and amazing thing to have a dog in your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we're speaking there, there is um, the pandemic going on and there's lockdowns and all kinds of things. And it's just mad. And one of the effects of, I mean, it's had huge effects, but one of the effects of that is that dogs have been adopted out of shelters. Shelters have run out of dogs mm-hmm. to adopt. And now uh, uh, that's happy. A sad effect is that apparently um, the, the price of, of puppies has skyrocketed. I've been researching. Yeah, I've been researching breed profiles to write. And when you, one of the things is, how much does the puppy cost? Well, that's gone, I mean, stupid. And I'm checking with people. They go, no, I'm... Pa- you know, sadly, that that is what they're fetching there. So there's pros and cons. But we really want that canine companionship at the moment, don't we? Absolutely. And yes, that is going on in the United States as well, that and which is a beautiful thing. I mean, we all want to see our animals adopted. On the other hand, one thing that I know a lot of shelters are concerned with is that people will start. Unfortunately, the pandemic has hit and it's put a lot of people Um, in financial constrictions, you know, they may not have a a job or, uh, you know, things will be tight. So I think there are a lot of there's a lot of concern that animals will then be relinquished or, you know, unfortunately, they're finding a lot more strays. So you know what? I mean, I would rather have people, I would rather see shelters without one single dog left. You know, that would be a beautiful thing. But currently there are plenty of dogs to still be adopted and there may be more that are coming down the pipeline. So I would really encourage people and especially too, because the fulfillment of rescuing a dog, of giving that animal the things, the basic things that they need and some love and companionship, it's very healing for us to see them blossoming and to see them coming out of and letting go of the trauma and the fear that they had at one point and that you have given them that life is yeah. very healing for us. Yes. Yeah. And and having a, a pet of any kind, um, but particularly having a dog around, 
you know, when I talk to people about their dog, the phrase you hear again and again is they make me smile every day, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing to have in your life, isn't it? Well, and that is one of the first things you can write down in your gratitude journal. And if even if you wrote that every single day for 30 <laughs> days, that would start to shift your mindset. So yes, they make you smile, which is beneficial physically for your well-being. They make you laugh. There are many, many gifts. Again, I've mentioned that they get you to play. I mean, how many adults have forgotten how to play? We don't spend time doing that, yet it's great for our immune system. It's great for our just overall well-being. They get us to be more social, you know, animals. You know, how many times have I been walking my dog and people forget my name, but they say, oh, is that Grace? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yes. yes. So there are countless benefits, and uh, I feel really fortunate, and I'm sure you feel fortunate that you understand that connection. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be without it. I, I, it's just, it's vital now. It's um, um, so. Tell me about Grace then. Oh well, we have three hours, right, to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we can do, you know, three programs. <laughs> well, Grace is. Uh, uh, it's really funny. I'll just start off. I, I was at the dog park the other day, and this little hmm. boy. He must have been about three or four. He's barely walking and he looks at her because she always wears this little purple t-shirt. And I'll tell you why for, a re- for there's a real reason for that. And he says, purple doggy. And then I said, uh-huh. oh, her, her name is Grace. And he looks at me and he says, amazing Grace. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of think that, that she is this because about a year ago, there was an incident here in New Mexico as well publicized, but a woman um, was discovered she had hoarded over a hundred or nearly a hundred dogs, but they were in really, uh, it was an abysmal situation that they Mm. were in and it was, it was awful. So I went with other rescuers and we went and got the dog. She was in jail. So we took the dogs to different rescues and, uh, you know, fosters and whatnot. And that's where I met Grace. And the reason, uh, and I remember Grace was the only dog who actually touched the back of my hand with her nose. All the dogs were so fearful, so fearful. And so I adopted Grace where we took her in right before the pandemic and Grace was, she had almost forgotten how to, how to be a dog. She did, she was afraid you'd put down the food. She'd be looking around and then run away. She was extremely afraid of my husband as were all those dogs. She also has an area in her lower back, which is why she wears that t-shirt, which is a sun shirt because it, a mountain lion had had uh, bitten her. So that's like a panther yeah. that we have here. And so she has this exposed area that has no protection from the sun. And we live here at 7,000 feet. So she has to wear something that keeps that protected. So Grace came in with a lot. And slowly over time, it's it's that's why I say it's so fulfilling to watch her let go of the past to have her trust again mm-hmm. and to see her do little dog things that she wouldn't do. Like she didn't even know what a toy was, but now she just really is happy. She's playing with her chew toy and throwing it in the air and pouncing on it. Or today we have beautiful snow out here and she's just racing through the snow and you can see that absolute joy on her face. And she comes back at us going right by us and trying to get us to play with her <laughs> or, you know, just, it's beautiful, like how you see her at the dog park where she would not leave my side when I first got there. But now she goes and plays with the other dogs and she rolls around with them. And it's a beautiful thing to see. So it's um, and 
just a few weeks after I adopted her, I had to do a presentation at a, a, a school here. It's called a Montessori school. Hmm. And the little children, there was probably 20, 30. And they, I, I didn't know how she would do with them. But she not only sat by my side the entire presentation, but then she went and took a little treat out of each of their little hands. And I thought to myself, that is amazing. You know, if two weeks ago, three weeks ago, she it looked like she had lost all hope. Mm. And now here she was this amazing ambassador for rescue and adoption. And so she is amazing. She is amazing, Grace. And I am so, and maybe people think, well, people always say this, like you did a really great thing. And I'm like, do you know how much she gives back to me? She gives me back a thousandfold from whatever I give her just in love and companionship and fun and friendship. So that this is grace. Yeah. Oh, bless her. And can we have a photo of grace to put on the the website so everybody can see her, please? Absolutely. I even tilt the camera down if you wanted to see her. Well, let's see. Let's see. Are you there? There. Oh, bless. She's yeah. she's totally um, asleep. Oh wait, there, there's her head. Yes. Oh <laughs> bless her. Oh good for her. Good for her. total relaxation there. Love it. Wish I could get that relaxed. <laughs> well, you know what? It's from being in the snow. She just was racing around like you know a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. Now I have to ask them. Can you tell me about your TED talk as well? The, the life changing power of the animal human health connection. What a brilliant subject. So tell Thank me about you. that. Sure. Well, giving a TED talk was probably TEDx talk was one of the most um, was probably one of the peak experiences of my life. Really, I mean, because it was it was probably the it, it was just so tremendous and to sit with that audience. But anyway, the topic was really based on what my first book was about: dog as my doctor, cat as yeah. my nurse, and the amazing health and wellness benefits that our animal friends give their human companions. And I'm not just talking about physical benefits, but I was also talking about mental emotion and even benefiting our spirits because that's an, a vital part of our health and well-being as well. Yeah. So that is the talk that I gave. I'll, I'll share with you the first story. I hope people could go and listen to it because I think it's um, you will also be surprised probably by the end of it as well. But I started off the TED Talk talking about uh, a woman who had shared a story with me hmm. about how, you know, she was she was working on a website. So she was always on her computer. And one day her dog, who was 12 years old and kind of an arthritic dog, started to whine. And she whined and whined and whined. And one day the woman said, well, you know what? I've got to take her to the vet. So she took her to the vet and the vet said, well, there's nothing wrong that I can see with your dog. But the dog kept whining. And at night, she was keeping her and her husband awake. So she would, you know, get up and start petting the dog and trying to calm her. And she wanted to stay awake to take care of the dog because she wanted her husband to get a good night's sleep. Mm. And so she thought, hmm, what can I do to stay awake? And she then thought, well, maybe I'll just give myself a breast exam. So she put her hand on her breast. And the moment that she did that, the dog, who again was 12, she hadn't gone on the bed in like two years jumped on the mattress and started to scratch at her breast until it bled. And so then her husband woke up and he went and examined her breast and he felt a lump. And the thing is, she had already been to the doctor like within a month that month. And the doctor had said, no, you're fine. You're great. You're perfect. And when she went back, they found an aggressive form of breast cancer growing. 
And he said to her, if it wasn't for that dog, you would probably be dead. Yeah. So this is one of the extraordinary ways that if you, you know, if she hadn't paid attention and she said, oh, bad dog, get back, leave me alone. And then she goes, oh, look what this dog did to me. Instead, she was very aware, very mindful, went to her doctor and the dog helped save her life. So this is how I began. But there are many things day to day that our animal friends can do for us. I mean, you, I don't know if you've read about, but there are so much science behind how having an animal friend like a dog will, uh, you know, help you with your blood pressure, helps you to get exercise more so than a, another human buddy would. Um, they decrease our stress. They help diabetics because they help us with lifestyle. They help decrease cholesterol. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our physical well-being. But what about our emotional well-being? You know, stress is a big one. And once we can, but they help people decrease stress. They help people decrease depression, anxiety. And there's studies that come out regularly. And if you think about it right now with this pandemic, who is it hitting the most? It's the people with chronic illness, right? Yes. The people who have a heart condition, diabetics, um, and these are the people who can benefit from, because many of these conditions are actually preventative. Many of them are reversible, but yeah. you have to get on it. You have to do it. And, and having an animal friend in your life can be a really powerful, powerful way to help you have a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I so find- that's what I talked about in the TEDx talk, just so you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Sure, sure. Um, and again, we can pop the uh, link onto that, can we, in the show notes? Yes, please. Smashing, yes. smashing. Um, you. You know, but it's amazing. And one of the things that amazes me is those benefits that you talked about, you know, the, the lowering of the blood pressure and the heart rate and, and the boosting of your immune system and all those benefits happen, apparently, whether you like the dog. You know, you can say... I'm not really into dogs, but if you sit and pet a dog, mm-hmm. all those benefits happen anyway, you know, despite you, that to me is mind blowing. Well, it's a little bit like gratitude. People always ask me, well, what if I'm not grateful for anything? And I say, fake it until you make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, I I've known several people who like, for example, I think of my sister-in-law who. Mm. She's Indian and or her parents were, she was born in the States, but her parents did not like dogs. So she never grew up with one. So she was so afraid of like a pigeon. And I'd be like, okay, what's calm down. It's just a bird, but she would be afraid of animals. And then one day when she had children, they finally talked her into having a dog. Well, now she's obsessed with that dog. She, she, I saw her the other day taking pictures of somebody else's dog. (laughs) And so this is the thing. Yes. I mean, at first, you know, you may be reluctant or maybe you're afraid, but little by little, I mean, dogs can win you over. I mean, Mm. this is the power of these animals, but yeah. So, but it does obviously make a bigger difference if you have a dog in your life who you have a connection to a bond. And actually that is what, benefits one when they're actually uh, journaling their gratitude, it strengthens that connection with the animal who you're showing appreciation for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not time consuming, isn't it? This isn't another, a chore that we're going to think, oh no, no, I've got to sit down for three hours and think happy thoughts. It isn't like that, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, uh, the way I, I'm a kind of person, maybe I'm a little impatient, but, and, and that's always something my dog's trying to teach me <laughs> about. Yes. But I like to do things like whenever I cook, it's like I want to have the healthiest meal in the shortest amount of time. So whenever I'm journaling, I want it to be 
as powerful as possible, but in a short amount of time, because everybody's yeah. <laughs> busy, everybody's busy, we have other things to do. And what maybe, yeah, if you did that for two hours a day, you might get there faster. <laughs> but <laughs> I find that just five minutes, and that's why I wrote, really, it's a five minute journal to write down the things that you're positive for. And over time, you will see that that just starts changing the way that you your outlook on the world. So no, I mean, just um, like if I think about some of the questions that I ask in the journal, it's like, what today are you most grateful to your dog for? I mean, how simple is that? Yeah. But it gets you to think. It gets you to think every day and to be mindful as you write and reflective. And that benefits you in such deep and profound ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because I, I mean, it's easy to think to become overwhelmed mm-hmm. with the negativity at the moment, and so to stop that cycle of, but what about this? Will we get this? And will, you know, <laughs> will a vaccine come? Or, and all those, all those thoughts that sort of panic you, and you, and you, you stop thinking rationally because this panic de- descends. So if you just stop that and think, well, hang on, what am I thankful for this morning? Starting with, I woke up this morning. <laughs> You know? I woke up this morning. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is with with gratitude journaling, and in particular, what I've written, I I'm recommending that people. This is a total of five minutes. I'm recommending that they take some of those five minutes first thing in the morning instead of waking up and going to your cell phone and going, "Oh my God, what happened? You know, how many more people have died? Yes. You know, what's going yeah. on in politics?" If you're going to fill your mind up like that, that's the way you will spend your day. It, it's really true because in that moment that you're waking up, that's when you're Uh, brain is the most receptive to the thoughts that you're putting into your mind. Hmm. So you can either fill it up with that or start arguing with your partner or whatever that is. Or you can just go, nope, this is I pick up my journal, I just follow the directions and I just write down the things I'm grateful for. And you do this consistently, who doesn't have five minutes a day, five minutes. And I also recommend that people at the end of the day, they're listing three positive things that happened to me today were, and of course, I spell positive, P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E, three positive things. And again, at night, as we're falling asleep, again, this is when our brains are the most receptive to what we put in our mind. So if you've been watching the news on television right before bed, no, no, they, you know, leave that alone. You know, not, the news won't change that much. I mean, you know, you can figure it out, you know, sometime tomorrow in the afternoon, but uh, just put in these thoughts and it's amazing. You know, gratitude over time can also help you sleep better. It can help you have stronger relationships with other people. It can make you more productive. I mean, it, it starts basically, um, I don't know if I've already mentioned this, but it starts uh, stimulating positive hormones in your body, like endorphins and oxytocin, feelings that make things that make you feel better, you know, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. So just five minutes, first thing in the morning, just as you fall asleep, it, it's one of the most simplest practices you can uh, use to make your life better. Yeah, yeah, it's, it sounds amazing. I, see, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I should just, you know, be so, so um, positive now. <laughs> so, well, it's funny. funny how it does kind of creep up on you. Like somebody wants, okay, because this is the thing. I was not a positive person. That is not something I was naturally, uh, th- that I would naturally go to. In fact, I, people don't believe me. But I say, ask my brothers and sister when I what was growing up. 
they would just make fun of how moody I was and how angry I was. And they would, uh, my husband even saw pictures of me growing up and he said, why don't, aren't you smiling in any of these pictures? And that's because I wasn't a naturally positive person. I was kind of a negative person, an angry person, but somewhere something shifted. And I don't know when that exactly happened, but I do know that there's, after you do this for a while, it sort of takes on its own loop, its own kind of um, energy. And so suddenly you're not, yeah, life situations happen. I mean, I had a pretty big life altering, unbelievable experience um, last year. And I can talk to you about what happened, but it proved to me that gratitude works and it allowed me to move through with not like just, just um, falling apart as maybe I had in the past when other life situations had hit me. Yeah. No, I think I know what you're referring to, but because I've, I've watched one of your videos. So, but for people that don't know, could, could you tell them please? Because it was a huge, pretty huge thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was pretty huge. And it's not the typical thing that people are used to having. Like one expects that maybe somebody in their life will one day get sick or pass away. And certainly I've had those experiences, but I never expected this one. Uh, Last year, I decided to take a DNA test. And really, for no other reason than I was curious about how much Spanish, Portuguese and Jewish I had in my bloodline. Hmm. That's all I care. I I have 63 first cousins. I have countless aunts and uncles. I knew who my family was and I didn't expect to find anybody else. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I got the results back. And what I discovered was that I was adopted. Wow. I also discovered that all those 63 first cousins and aunts and everybody knew (laughs) except for me. I know. And so it was uh, when I discovered the news and everything happened, I really felt like a tsunami had hit me. Yes. And I felt like almost like a tree that's being bent over because it was so profound. It was just like to have your identity just suddenly shifted or taken in that moment. Yeah. But I also noticed that I didn't break. I didn't break, you know, like a tree. I kind of came back and yes, I felt, um, you know, angry at times and I felt um, abandoned and I felt grief and loss and all of these crazy emotions. My husband would say, gosh, I've never seen you cry like this. And I'd be tying my shoe and crying. I said, I don't even know why I'm crying. Mm-hmm. It's just all these, this tumultuous um, emotions were going back and forth. But what I also felt was tremendous gratitude. So it was sort of like you're on one side of uh, a shore and you're seeing all these emotions that you're going to have to swim through. There's no way getting mm-hmm. around that. Because if I said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't feel anything it was going to come up at some point and maybe with twice the, the, the ferociousness, those emotions, mm-hmm. if you push them down, they come back up. So, but I could see gratitude and I could see this big light on the other side. And then, so I, I realized, okay, I'm feeling pretty horrible at the moment and I'm going to feel all that I need to feel. I'll move through that as soon as I can. I'll swim past it as soon as I can, but I want to honor that that's how I feel at the moment I'll go explore then for the next year. And I did find my birth mother. I found um, my half sister. It it was quite a journey. And I've actually written another book about that, that um, yeah, I'm finishing up with that. But at the other side was gratitude and kind of the life best that helped me all the way through was gratitude. And in particular, I felt a profound sense of gratitude for my adoptive parents who literally saved my life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great thing that even in the darkest times, mm-hmm. that if you can think, but yeah, well, this happened and that was horrible, but 
actually that bit could have been worse or you know the person that broke the news to me the per- you know whatever it is you can find something to be just a, just a grain of thankfulness for and go, well that bit could have been worse or you know so I'll be thankful for that and 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 it is an important thing to 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 keep because otherwise the negativity just at sometimes you just think this is too much I can't you know so you've got to have some kind of well resilience to to you know protect you haven't you absolutely I think resilience is a wonderful word and I do believe that gratitude gives you that resilience yeah. because the, the reason was too, is that I had just written these two. Um, I wrote pause for the good stuff, the dog lovers journal. I also wrote one for cat lovers, mm. but I had been immersed in not only my own gratitude practice, my five minute a day thing, but also writing these. So every day I was spending hours and hours on positive quotes and positive exercises. And, you know, so I was kind of already swimming in this ocean when suddenly this news was broken. So in a way, I was kind of my life raft was all this gratitude and positivity. I think to myself, gosh, if because for example, you know, there were times I thought to myself, and I, I will, t- I do talk about it more in the other book, but I thought to myself, you know, why didn't they tell me, you know, why, gosh, you know, I had a right to know. And, you know, but I, but in the end, sometimes I think it happened exactly at the right time. Yeah. I do. I, I look at it all and I, I think, well, I know what I was like in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. And so I'm like, this was the right time. This is when I was the strongest emotionally to take that news on. And interestingly enough, I met my birth mother like about three weeks later hmm. and she died three months later. Okay. So I just think, yeah, it seemed yeah. like it was the right time. It was the yeah. right time. Yeah. Sometimes when these things happen and they, they are, you know, awful at the time, why did that happen? And it's not until <laughs> afterwards you can get some perspective and go, okay, okay. I can see why that happened because this had to, had to lead to this, you know, and things start to make sense. And I think the older you get that, mm-hmm. that happens more and more, you get that perspective even more. And you go, okay, I can see what I was, that was leading to. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know it at the time, but I, I can see now why I had to do learn that or do that or go through that. So, yeah. Well, and I, I think as what you're saying is absolutely true. Cause I think if you've had, as you get older, you've had more and more and more experiences, you know, yeah. life keeps happening just because you're more grateful or positive doesn't mean that life is still not happening around you. Yes. But I think it does it, at least what I've learned is that I feel that the thing will happen, the negative thing, whatever that is, and I'm like, okay, I've been through this enough to know there's another side. There's there's an end point or there's light at the end of the tunnel. I just need to move mindfully through this process. I need to recognize my emotions and be okay with that. I feel yeah. horrible. Okay. I even write down, I feel horrible. Like, for example, <laughs> one of the questions you start off the journal with is, how did you feel this morning? Because I think it's important to recognize and not just pass over how you feel. So it's like, well, I feel um, I feel really grumpy today. And then the next question is, well, how would you like to feel? So what are you moving towards at, at the end of the day? What are you moving towards? You know, how would you like to feel? And I think that's that's how it is with life. It's okay, these things are happening, but I see, I think there's a gift on the other side. If we can wade through the waters in a mindful way, there's, there's gift. Maybe it's the gift of wisdom or maybe, it, I mean, I just keep seeing gift after gift after gift if I do this process in this way. Yeah, yeah incredible um it's been fascinating talking to you is there anything else that you would like to say that we haven't had a a, a chance to say yet 
Well, I would always like to say, please, please adopt rather than shop for a dog. I just think that there are so many dogs out there who, like Grace, would love to have a second chance at life. So I would just really appreciate that. And I hope that you all have a positive day today. (laughs) Thank you very much. And I just, can I just ask um, if anybody would like to come and visit me at animalhumanhealth.com. I have this really fun quiz that people can uh, take that is basic question is what can your dog or your cat tell you about you that you don't know? And so it's just a really fun quiz that you can take and it tells you kind of what you might not know. And um, it's just a great way to connect. I have a, a, a what I call my positive lifestyle blog where people really find a lot of inspiration about their life with their animal friends. So I just want to invite people over, you know, even if you're in England, it's not far anymore. <laughs> no, this is a great thing. <laughs> Technology is definitely something to be thankful for. Huge thanks to Carleen for taking time to give me such an in-depth and insightful interview. We have the links on the Dogcast Radio site where you can hear more about Carleen. And there's so much to say about her that we didn't even fit into the interview that she was voted Peter's sexiest vegetarian over 50. If you're listening to this as we're still going through COVID, you know we all need to focus on the positive and our dogs are certainly that. If you're listening to this at a future time, be thankful you're not in lockdown or quarantine and all that. And talking of the future, any sign of those flying cars yet? Oh, come on, at least you must have those hover skateboards like in Back to the Future. Ah, well, if Carleen has inspired you to be more thankful and positive, I'd be grateful if you get in touch and tell me about it. See what I did there? That's all for now. Until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com if you'd like to get in touch with us and wherever you are in the world we'd love to hear from you you can do so in a variety of ways you can contact us on skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dog cast radio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What did the Dalmatian say after his huge Thanksgiving dinner? That hit the spot.